have something for our podcast. This is not for us, I guess. Or is this? Is it? This is not from Olympiacos fans for sure. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know why Olympiacos fans are mad. I actually picked them in all my semifinal previews. Kruno Simon jersey. We got some iconic jersey of legendary Kruno Simon. One and only. Amazing, amazing jersey. And that comes from uh, Urbonus podcast fan from, from Turkey. One great guy, one wow. great FS fan. Just brought me, uh, just brought it to me in Konas. He tried to send these jersey like for a few months, but it got stuck somewhere. It was sent back again. So these jersey they have a hell of a story, not just because of the name on on, on this bag. So this this jersey gonna be a nice gift, a nice decoration for our studio in Vilnius. But probably you kind of got confused because now we're in another studio and our headquarters, Basket News headquarters <laughs> in Konas. We have Arvida Sabonis in the studio as well. We have some other iconic things. We have Augusta Shulauskas, analyst of national television during the Final Four, right? Right. And without Ritas Vishnauskas for the second consecutive <laughs> time. He choked. He choked like like somebody did in like Konas. Like somebody did in, in, in Friday, semifinals, right? right? Yeah. So nice to uh, so nice to have this jersey. Yeah, so nice to thank it for us. To have thanks a lot these fans. Yeah, for sure. When we will come back to Vilnius for sure, this will make our Hall of Fame. Uh, I know how we call it. Jersey Hall of Fame. Jersey Hall of Fame. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. It's just so nice to be here, uh, meeting uh, some of the podcast viewers. Yeah. And uh, did you have any chance? Did you have any interactions? Yeah, quite quite a couple of them. And <laughs> even though he's not in the final four and FS are not in us. the final four. He's in our hearts. Yeah. Yeah, quite a few interactions yesterday. Uh, obviously, with the fans, nobody comes up and says, you know, I don't like your podcast and stuff. Yeah. So uh, super cool. I think we have a really nice fan zone, really active one. And uh, hopefully tomorrow it will be even more people there. Yeah, we will do a live podcast again and friend zone uh, studio. I wanted to say friend zone, just zone, uh, probably at two o'clock uh, local time. Two o'clock local time. So, and uh, I know that one Euroleague legend would really like to participate, and his surname is Batis. His name is M, but I won't <laughs> disclose his personality. But yeah, he might. He have might have some famous people. Huge out names. There. Yeah, that would be cool if he could, if he could make it. A lot that of huge names cool. here in, in Konas. Who, who did impress yesterday, you the most? Yesterday, because, yeah. yesterday we had uh, the national TV broadcast and uh, for five minutes we got uh, Jonas Machulis okay. to come there. Uh, Jonas Kozlauskas also. They're had, still not the most famous Jonas in, uh, in Konas and in, in Jalgir Arena. Yeah, there was Jonas Volanciunas as well, but Jonas Kozlauskas unfortunately could not make it because of the traffic jam from Vilnius to Konas. Mm. I think quite a lot of people... Um, got stuck there that was actually the real reason why Ritis was not on the podcast yesterday mm. because i also got stuck in that traffic jam but as always i try to be way earlier when the show starts so i managed to make it on time Ritis didn't today yeah. we don't have him for different reasons a lot of work yesterday a I lot guess. of work <laughs> long hours of work let's anyway, talk about the games of yesterday what are your general impressions about the final four it's your first final four experience uh um, love the games I love the Olympiacos fans. I mean, 
not not the first final four i mean covering it first final four i was in one final four when playing mm. for the in the adidas next, next generation tournament Wh- which one 10 years ago Shit. and guess the final of that uh 2013 the shot oh no 2013 london madrid olympiacos madrid olympiacos wow. i i could have like seen it coming you know it's my second final four watching it live wow. and it's 10 years later 2013 2023 and uh olympiacos and, and real madrid in the final and i think that that was the game when olympiacos bounced back and yep. they won in it in the second half yeah spanulis was like was doing mirotic in the first half and then he was doing uh, yeah. Ser- sergio rodriguez in the second <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember olympiacos fans were going crazy there in the second uh, in the upper bowl just mm-hmm. like they were yesterday and uh, so if i'm a believer in you know i, I don't know what to say coincidences coincidences or or, yeah. or whatever Science. number symbolism yeah. whatever it is you know olympiacos uh, are my, my go-to yeah. guys for tomorrow's wow. final it was london final for it me. was london you know yeah. i was also there and i went to youth tournaments i i, I believe that i actually in had a short interview with arturas karnishovas and you because you played in some like uh, we're angar, building uh, yeah. angar <laughs> i don't know how <laughs> I don't to know say the english word english. yeah it was like a tent big tent it seems like a place it, where it was a football field actually i think yeah and yeah. It's, and it's also seems sometimes like a place <sighs> where you hold the uh, planes you uh-huh. know to fly and not to play ba- basketball in it but they just mm-hmm. made up a changed the football field which is right next to the O2 arena into a basketball court and uh not a, not not good memories there we lost all three games but at least we got there by winning you know the qualifier Wh- who was the main starter of that tournament you i'm trying to remember names? now uh nikola rebic i remember him guarding him uh point guard for uh, cervena zvezda mm. was there uh no top prospects uh i don't remember damian Ingl- because then we went i went on to play the european championship and i remember much more names from there mm. you know porzingis damian inglis was the big star was the big star for for france mm. gershon yabuzelid was there but uh okay. playing uh, not not that many minutes you know i think uh-huh. uh peter cornelier was also in okay. the, in the france team so a lot, a a lot of names. madrid guys a, a lot, lot of symbolism <laughs> a lot of yeah <laughs> so uh but i don't know i remember the um, Rebic and uh, I think Dusan Ristic was also ah, there. Okay. I just remember because they were playing so tough defense, you know, you know those Serbian those Serbian guys. youngsters they were tough. Pressure you full court. That was that was quite hard. And we also played team China mm. and um and I think one Spanish team. We lost all three. Mm. Yeah. Some crazy memories. Time flies back. Uh let's start talking about the games and maybe begin let's begin from Olympiakos and Monaco. Right. What would be your very very first impression? Okay, the third quarter, twenty-seven-two. <laughs> I think we have to start from a little bit before. You know, okay. It's easy to talk about the third quarter only. Okay. So my prediction obviously was Monaco winning it. Yeah. And uh, and you uh, you felt confident in the first after the first half probably. I really, I mean, you don't really feel confident after Olympiacos misses uh, miss so many free throws mm. and so many layups in the first half and uh, but still being up by 12 you, you cannot ask for more no it, it was the perfect first half from Monaco it was you know all the things that i mentioned they were doing it uh, at a high level you know for example Diallo defending Slukas forcing him to the right 
everybody else, you know, pushing um, pushing Olympia costs really up high, not letting them play their offense. Um, you know, no off-ball movement. It was so hard for Olympia Cost to even get a shot off because of that Monaco defense. You know, they were if they first of all, it was really hard to get the advantage for them. And then mm -hmm. when they got inside into the paint, they were trying to pass the ball out. Monaco were so great at flying around the court, not letting, uh, you know, easy shots closing out hard on the shooters. It was so hard for Olympia Cost to even get a shot sometimes. I thought Monaco defense did a great job in the first half and I was like, wow, you know, Monaco are really going for this win. They are doing all the things that they are supposed to do. But uh, that third quarter, I mean, 27 to two, and the only two points Monaco score are in the fast break situation after a steal. I think Elio Kobo gets that dunk to score the only two points. After the uh, turnover, actually. It, it was yeah. traveling, actually, by Jordan Lloyd, but it was non-call travel. Oh, after that steal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they score zero points in the third quarter in half-court offense. And what I wanted from Olympiacos more in the, in, during halftime, I said, I want more speed both on defense and on offense. And they came to the court with exactly that. You know, they, they, they were much more aggressive. They were much more poised than Monaco. And suddenly all the things Monaco had to do in order to win, they were not doing anything. Obviously, Mustafa Fall and Thomas Walkup defense and Isaiah Cannon's defense, you know, navigating Cannon's the screens, good. going. I said that, I said it like, he's really good at that. Mm -hmm. People maybe, you know, see the bad stats, you know, five points, six points per game, but he's doing an amazing job, you know, being close mm -hmm. when Mustafa Fall is waiting in the paint. And um, this, is, this, is, this is the impression from both games. We all say how guards are winning uh, in nowadays basketball. Hey, but having these two giants in the paint also helps. You know, Walter Tavares did the same in the second in the second yeah. game. Mustafa Fall in the first game, protecting the paint, no easy shots. But Thomas Walkup and Isaiah Cannon and their defense, you know, doing the rear view contest, uh, as some say, you know, was simply amazing. I mean, and I and I tweeted after the game, send the tape of Thomas Walkup defense of the fourth quarter, and and you know, to those who voted for Walt, Walter Tavares, probably. Although Free, after freezing watching, cold takes, maybe <laughs> after watching Eddie play in the second semifinal, I would say that the best solution would be just give it as a co yeah. co you know defensive player of the year award. Let's not go. Let's not go into that discussion. You know they're both amazing defensive players. I think you know if Barca may, w would have attacked a little bit differently, and we would talk about we will talk yeah, about sure. this later. You know then Tavares's effect maybe would have been a little bit smaller. Shout out to both defenders. They practically the defense of Tavares, Walkup, Cannon, and Mustafa Fall won the game for both teams. So, few few notes I have about the third quarter. First of all, Monaco allowed twenty nine points in the first half, which was their season high. So and again, you cannot ask for more to have twelve point lead and to play your best defense. Okay, best de have best defensive numbers uh, of the season. You cannot put yourself in a better uh, position. Uh, and Olympiacos, they were four from 12, uh, both shooting from two, point, uh, two, point, two pointers and three pointers, nine from 18 shooting free throws. Uh, the third quarter, yeah, we all know 27-2, but there are a few interesting stats. Thomas Walkup, as I mentioned, I mean, 
Thomas Walkup defense, we, we already um, said an, enough about his defense, but the way he knows, the way he can, the way he's able to make an impact offensively without even watching at the rim is just incredible. I mean, guy, this guy made seven assists in the third quarter only, and uh, most of these assists, of course, were to Mustafa Fall, and uh, we, we will discuss it later also. Uh, Olympiagos made 10 assists on 11 field goals. And this whole quarter, quarter. Yeah. And just to add to uh, uh, Thomas Walkup case, seven assists and Mike James, zero points, uh, zero uh, of two. Uh, so 10 assists for 11 field goals. And watching Olympiacos uh, come, coming off uh, the halftime and watching the way they played, it felt like they decided to um, to move the ball more, to drive more, to cut more, and especially cut more. Watching especially them to cut turn more. around the game, it was like this is Olympiacos basketball. I mean, yep. how Kostas yep. Papanikolaou was cutting, how Sasha Vezenkov was finding himself in his usual situations, and how it all started. In my eyes, it all started from Thomas Walkup just driving in, in into the paint and then making the right passes. Uh, passes, of course, the timing of Papanikolaou, Mustafa Fall was also perfect. But this this was the whole thing that. The trademark El of Olympiacos. Exactly. A lot of people have to understand. They, they don't need guys to create their own shots with the uh, off-ball movement. They can create shots from anywhere to mm. anyone. And that was just the pure greatness of Yorgos Barsokos and uh, Olympiacos game. Talking about those cuts, they had probably one or two maybe in the first half that they scored off. In the third quarter five times, five yeah. backdoor cuts. So that's 10 easy points at the rim. Kostas Papunikolaou, you know, Sasha Vizenkov is the best off-ball player, I think, in the EuroLeague. Kostas Papunikolaou is a close second in my eyes. I mean, those yeah. backdoor cuts, yes, Monaco players were, weren't doing what they were supposed to do. I mean, coming to play against Olympia Kost, you know, they are moving off the ball. You have to watch the cuts when someone else is driving. When Thomas Walkup is driving the paint, Costas Lucas is driving into the paint, you have to be alert. You can't be sleeping. You can't be, you can't allow in a semifinal of a EuroLeague, you can't allow it pass a give and go situation. I think it was Isaiah Cannon passing the ball, cutting immediately, you know, this football play. Pass, pass, mm -hmm. pass, cut, and pass back. You can't allow against Olympia cause these plays if you want to win. But that was just, you know, great cuts uh, by Papa Nicolau, by Isaiah, Isaiah Cannon, and, you know, converting from Monaco's turnovers. And Thomas Walkup, you know, you said all these great things, seven assists. I think sometimes he might have, you know, been holding the ball for, for a, a, like really a long time. Mm. But if you create, you know, after 10 or 15 seconds, two points, you can't get mad. And one thing I would love uh, to notice, not only about his defense, it, he didn't fell he didn't fall into the trap of Monaco, you know, going under those screens. Mm. And um probably he doesn't feel really comfortable right now with his shot, knowing that, you know, he struggled in the in a quarterfinal series. And he knew that Monaco are going to under go go under against his screens. He did not fall for this trap. He ha didn't have a single field goal attempt, but he impacted the, the game by assist and his defense and his plus minus on the court plus nineteen. Okay. So that was that was an amazing thing uh, from Thomas. I, I was just a little bit surprised that particularly in the third quarter, Monaco, they were not going down. 
uh, with the screen. Mm. Uh, I was a bit surprised because for me it looked kind of obvious. Maybe there was to go under. You mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, under. Uh, I f- I thought that it should have been the obvious solution, especially in the first two or three plays. Basically, yeah. it was the the same situation. The way they killed Monaco offensively with the pick and roll, walk up and fall. It was uh, foul. It was basically the same play uh, they had. And there was just one moment with the going under, but then uh, Thomas did, you know, look, rescreen and just got himself in a good position. I think Monaco will look back into this third quarter and think, you know, we completely blew it off. I think yeah, they lost yeah. their heads in the first couple of possessions. They, they got nervous. Yeah, experience That's came where into the, the play there. Kicks in definitely. Uh, after those three or four, you know, Olympiacos and their fans, they they were starting to feel it. They were on a good wave, and Monaco completely lost it. And and when I see, for example, NBA games, I see the same thing. You know, uh, you are losing. You are getting a couple of buckets, and then you are like trying to score from hard shots. You know, those mid-range jumpers. And Olympiacos were giving that, you know, the mid-range jumper. But those were not falling. The frees were not falling. And they were, you know, in these situations, you want an easy basket. There was no easy basket possibility because Mustafa Fall played 12 minutes, I guess, in a row. And he asked for a sub uh, two minutes into the fourth quarter. He was ga- completely hmm. gassed. But in those 12 minutes, Monaco did not have a shot. They, they had shots from <laughs> they inside. Had shots. But... Not just from inside, they had some open looks, but they, well, they just it, lost it, the confidence yeah. because of the first like seven but minutes. It was, of, it was hard shots. Like, I mean, it was hard shots. Elia Kobo, Mike James, Jordan Lloyd had to try to manufacture something because they don't have shooting around them. And John Brown, Donatas Motiunas, and Donta Hall are have had a hard time shooting over a foul in, in the post, you know, because he's mm-hmm. just so tall and, and you're afraid of him. So those mid-ranges were not falling and on the other and on the other side you get those easy layups after cuts you get those three pointers when you are late maybe on a defensive possession or so and uh, mustafa fall on the offensive end as well 12 points 18 efficiency five of six shooting four rebounds four assists completely dominated both moti Yunus and even more donta hall could not do anything they just passed the ball to him and he's like well, yeah, I guess I have to score two points again because, you know, they are either fouling, they, they can't stop me. And uh, I, I talked to, to Mike James after the game and he made some good points because at the end of the game, I don't remember the pol- particular sequence, but to me it looked like that they actually benched Mike James with three minutes to play yes, in the three fourth quarter. And, and they were like down by nine. It's not like the yeah, game it is was, over. It was, I was surprised. It, it was quite, uh, to me, it was, uh, you know, I wanted to see a reaction there, and I think I think it was you know, it said a lot that that move from Sasha Bradovich to bench your best player in a Euroleague semifinal with three min three minutes to go in the game in a decisive game. Um, I don't know, Mike's body language to me, you know, when things started to go south, wasn't really you know of of greatest ones. Uh, obviously, he was he wasn't happy. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just, it's like the 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 second half. You you can't really blame him or Okobo or Jordan Lloyd that much because it's hard to play when you can help off of two guys and and it's like you can really if 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 there are two guys that cannot shoot on the same time at the floor, you can 
even help from Lloyd and Okobo because there are other guys who can rotate from those two guys. And Monaco were struggling so bad against it. You know, in in the Maccabi series, they were doing the same. Yesterday, Olympia Cause did the same as well. And it's just, uh, it was really weird to me, you know, back in, back in w when it was January or February when uh, Moorman got... Um, mm his contract, you know, term, you know, they, they, they separated and then they took, you know, not a, not a shooter mm. for, for, for power forward spot. You know, you have these three great guards and then it's like, you, but that's you actually a very important moment because we were complaining about their shooting in the front line for a few months already, but that, I mean, the way Mormon underperformed in Monaco was probably also the key because from one point it could have been a great addition. I mean, having a French player as a stretch four after uh, you know, ideal, ideal situation, ideal situation that when makes it the most sense needs, out of all signings. Yeah, when it needs, he he can get you know he can be physical, he can make uh, important shots. He's a reliable three point shooter. But the problem is that probably after playing thirty minutes per game in, in FS for for three four years, maybe you know he had his legs uh, run out. So. Uh, mm -hmm. And he just couldn't adjust. But in this situation, he would have been a perfect player. And then they just couldn't find a good replacement a replacement because the market for stretch four was, was really tough, uh, was really dry in, in EuroLeague. But I even think, you know, Monaco taking, um, how to say, maybe a player that is not as good defensively, but just a guy who can shoot. There are definitely guys in the Euro Cup or or Champions League, you know, that can do that. And them being a threat on the offensive side and maybe not being as good defensively on the other side, I think it still would have been a plus for Monaco and their offense. It would have unlocked so many potential yeah. spaces for for those three guys to to drive to to score to kick the ball out to make it a little bit easier because right now in every position you have two guys basically standing around the paint so there is no space to drive because there are always two guys inside around the basket and you can't help and stunt even from a Kobo Lloyd or James whatever doesn't matter who has the ball in the middle because you can rotate from those guys standing in you know and and close them out so it's really hard nowadays to play offense when you have only, you know, two non-shooters. Uh, Monaco in the regular season, they made 32% of three-pointers. In the postseason, playoffs and the semifinals included 253 38 of 150. Four, three other Final Four teams made at least 10 three-pointers more, which is at least 30 points. That's huge for that level. And that's what actually... Uh, Mike James said, I mean, I just asked him what this team needs uh, in order to make the next step because they are amazingly, you know, entered the EuroLeague, forcing Olympiagos to game five in the playoffs in the first season and now making the uh, final four. So, you know, what could be the next step that would let them to the final game? And he just says that some shooting would help. We were the worst three-point shooting team in the league. Either we have to start making some shots or bringing people who can. And I would agree with that. And because looking at their roster and thinking about their roster projection, I really liked uh, this lineup of uh, Mike James, Okobo, and Lloyd on the backcourt. I like Utara as a defensive and a local player. Uh, Matthew Strozel, he's still young, although he has uh, defensive potential. It's, it's up to the management to decide if he's 
he might be better next year because he's still young and he's improving or they should look for some for some different type of uh, ball handler to this team but uh, in general i like their backcourt then for forwards you have alpha diallo which i also think that when he will improve his three-point shots and i believe that he will improve that uh, area because he can make three-point shots i think he was he just, just lost the confidence he from just lost the confidence series. in the in the end of the season and and you could see yesterday you know he got, yeah. get, he got he gets the ball wide open in the corner and, and his shooting motion yeah. is kind of hesitant and, yeah. and he was shooting i think 33 30 35 percent in the regular season somewhere around somewhere. those numbers and he shot what eight percent seven percent in the one playoff of series 14 one of 14 Maccabi, and now yeah. oh from two against olympiacos so but just, i mean i really believe in this player uh one of the best defensive forwards in the league that's for sure uh i've saw reports in france that uh, terry tarpe is about to join Monaco, another defensive mm. presence. He also can shoot the ball. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do with uh, Blossom game, although uh, I heard that they like him. So who knows? Maybe they will just add some depth with Tarpe. And the only adjustments I would do is with the front line. You have John Brown, Chima Moneke, Makundui as a young player, Motayunas, Hall, and uh, as I know, Jaite is uh, already, you know, he's set to join Monaco the next season, which again is interesting because he's a non-shooting big. So in this yeah, front but I think I, I love John Brown and Chima Moneki, both great players. But, uh, but probably in this situation, you have to choose one. From yeah. Because they, the, what they can offer and what they can bring at the table is very similar. And exactly, exactly. I would love to have them too. If they manage to have them too, that's great. But probably you have to invest in a stretch for uh, and basically, you just need to replace one of them, and that would make a great power forward lineup: John Brown, Moneke, and uh, some stretch four guy. Mm -hmm. And then Motiunas, Hall, Jaite. I don't know how they're gonna figure it out. I don't know what gonna be their needs. Uh, what do they think about the? I mean, I saw Sasha Bradovic saying great words about Motiunas that he was mainly one of the main reasons that mm -hmm. helped Monaco to make the final four. That's huge, and I've heard that they were really happy with Motiunas' performance at the end of the season. Dante Dante Hall. I mean, for me, he was very promising in his rookie season. I kind of expected from him more in sophomore year, but I really believe that he has a lot to offer. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they're gonna. Uh, make decisions in, in this category. But mm. speaking of stretch force, I try to check the best uh, big guys uh, who can kind of at some level stretch the floor. And from the current EuroLeague teams, the selection is not uh, really huge. For instance, Devin Booker, Derek Williams, Luke Sigma, Zach Day, Derek Williams, Jordan Mickey. I mean, first of all, not of all of them are pure stretch force. They're just number four players, basically. Mm -hmm. And they don't fit that uh, profile that Monaco is looking. But these are basically the best power forwards that's about to mm -hmm. enter the markets and uh, on expiring contracts. And okay. I'm not very, you know, fascinated about this uh, short list. And I think that that's why Monaco will need to be creative to look for a exactly. stretch four in the NBA, in Australia, in some, some I mean, Eurocup, BCL, Eurocup, and some BCL. other markets. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't really have anything to add about Monaco and their and their roster. I think I agree with all those points. Just one more last note mm -hmm. about Olympia Cost I wanted to make yeah. um, to give props to there because they, they they were fantastic yesterday. And you know, me choosing Monaco before to win, I kind of I think we have to give even more love to Olympia Cost. And what fascinated me also was that 
that run, that run was made without Costas Lucas. Yeah, that's that was very interesting. You know, when you talk about Olympia Costas, it's Sasha Vizenkov, Costas Lucas, and probably Costas Papanikolaou. And oh, by the way, golden rule: when K-pop plays well, Olympia Costas are always winning because other guys, some of the other guys, will play good. But if he's also scoring points, like more than 10 points, 12, 14, that I have, I don't think I've seen uh, Olympiakos actually lose a lot of games when he plays good. I think Papa Nicolaou is X factor of, of this postseason for Olympiakos. Remember game five, he yeah. entered the game with 10 points, I think, calmed his teammates down, you know, set the tone for the team in this uh, mentally challenging situation. Now the same, his energy in the third quarter, his cuts, uh, his all-ball play was huge to mm. make that run, to, to spark that run. He's an amazing player. And I remember that Andrea Trinchieri, when he was asked about the MVP of the season, surprisingly, in his top five, or let's say he was asked to name five players for the MVP uh, award. This season? And, yeah. And he mentioned, of course, he mentioned Vazenkov, he mentioned James, but he also mentioned Papa Nicolaou. And he said something... Uh, uh, this is the quote about Papa Nicolaou. He decided to put his ego aside and to think only about the team. He's pushing them every single game. He found his inner balance. He defends the best players of their opponents, and it's it's an MVP. That was, and that's uh, that. When he said this, it was April 18th, even before Papa Nicolaou got even more cool. You know, so <laughs> that's huge. And I just remember we had these all great memories and it brought me back to this uh, Printes' shot final against SK. Another, by the way, another huge third quarter comeback for Olympiakos. They they just know how to uh, run those things. And Papa Nicolau was basically the MVP in that game. I think it was his first final four. He was still super young and mm. he was performing really, really well. I think he was perfect from the, from the field because I, I know that quite well because we did this retro episode, which I really recommend to watch on Basket News channel this being ret uh, retro probably the the best Euroleague final ever with Papa Nicolau, uh, Papa Nicolau uh, featuring it so so yeah it's it's an, an amazing journey for Costas Papa Nicolau an amazing glue guy to have veteran mm. present to have on your team that everybody else should be jealous of in the Euroleague and his trash talking and igniting the fans are always fun to watch man just that, that uh, you know that run was without Costas Lucas and I was like Olympiacos are winning this game with their defense. Mm. And they just have so many ways this season to to actually win. You know, they could do it with their offense. They're they could the do most it with their off-ball off ball cutting, you know, Sasha Vizankov. Great game by, the, by Sasha as well, by the MVP. The other MVP did not play such a great game yesterday. And... Uh, 19 points on 7 of 14 shooting, 6 rebounds, 3, ass three assists, 1 turnover. Solid overall game, solid numbers. Obviously, it was the other guys, let's say, that, that stole the show, but Vezenkov did his job in 35 minutes. But that Olympiakos won without Lucas on the court, that was just, um, yeah. you know, to me, another example of how many different ways they have this season to win. And... Uh, you know, who knows on Sunday? Yeah, just yeah, just just to add, Sasha Vizenkov. We will have off. our predictions probably tomorrow before the game yeah. on the live podcast, yeah. which will be uh, at two o'clock, three hours before the local time. Third, ploy, third place game. Yeah, uh, about uh, before the game, which nobody cares of, to be honest. To be honest, yeah, they it should be canceled. Uh, I imagine, 
Yeah, whatever. I remember I, I, I had even this conversation there. with Will Clyburn after the podcast, and he said that you know it was terrible. Ga- it's terrible game because you already feel beaten, and then you just go there just to get kicked even more. So what's the point? And really, what's what's the point? Uh, yeah. So yeah, Bezenkov, Papa Nikolaou, Faust, I think Lucas, we talked about Cannon defense, everything through. Lerenzak is uh, off board three point shot. The snake and Thomas walk up on Thomas walk up on the screen showing this. Yeah, <laughs> amazing, perfect one. And by the way, speaking of the trash talking, uh, watching Olympiakos and Monaco becoming kind of a rivalry thing. I remember, you know, I'm watching Lerenzakis and Mike James, and I'm like, these guys probably hate each other so badly. Then there's this final four in Kaunas. I'm here at uh, team uh, team's hotel. There's a, a day of night of team arrivals, and I. We finished our uh, work and it was pretty late. So more and more players are coming down to the lobby. And I see Mike James and Yelunilis Lerenzak is just making fun with each other. Just just <laughs> trash talking in a funny way. Just sharing some insights, you know, hugging each other. Okay, maybe there was no hugging, but I mean, they were really Now, you're, now you're exaggerating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't want to have problems with Mike. Uh, <laughs> They were really, really friendly, and it was surprisingly nice to watch them, you know, being so, so, so cool. And just, it's just, again, one of these reminders that on the court, they might, they may hate each other. They may, they may be the biggest enemies, but off the court, it's, it's, it's different. It's different world that sometimes even some fans should remember that there's life outside the basketball uh, court. So, so yeah. It was it was just nice moment because it feels uh, anyway never mind let's <laughs> well, let's, let's, never continue. Mind. Let, let's continue let's continue let's go to this other other semifinal yeah where uh, did you see amazing did you see Nikola Mirotic though in Lithuania uh, did you see Ritis in, in Kaunas yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a bit mad. Oh my Man. God. I'm not that mad on Mirotic. I'm just sad for Mirotic because honestly, you know, he had this label of big time choker, right? And I I kind of felt bad. That Which was kind of exaggerated, to be honest. Yeah. First of all, that's Before true. yesterday. Last year, he had an amazing semifinal game. He, it was 39, w- one of the that. historical final four, final four performances and for both games, Mirotic was just amazing. I think that only Shane Larkin had better numbers in total points and a player performance index rating uh, mm. combined. Uh, and I was really sincerely cheering for the guy, you know, just to, you know, have his best in, in the big stage. So watching him to go one of 10, making the first field goal with three minutes to play when the game was basically decided momentum-wise, watching him missing those good looks wow that that was that was terrible really it, it felt it made me just sad as a, if if you're coach of barcelona if you're a fan of barcelona you have full uh you know full rights all, all the rights to be mad on him you know but i just for me it was just pure sadness shonas is in the post game said they were too nervous i think that was a spot on comment and uh how to put it Clearly, uh, I think you know Mirotic also knows himself that his legacy in Barcelona, his legacy in Europe right now, depends on if he's winning the title with Barcelona, a Euroleague title. And he plays so well in the regular season. He plays, you know, 
then it, it gets harder for him in the playoffs. But when it's a single elimination game, all the pressure are you to perform today in those two hours you are in the court. Yesterday, after he missed those couple of shots in the first quarter, you could see him so wanting to score so badly and trying and trying and yeah. trying. You know, for he his was confidence. The game too much. His confidence, your, your confidence is okay. I'm not a believer that if you miss three or four shots, you have to stop shooting. No, he's the, the, the go-to guy in Barcelona. He has to shoot. But I think the pressure got to his nerves too much yesterday. And that was that was so clear to me in the, in the, in the second half uh, as well. Um, what was weird, I mean, and, and, and he did it without with Yebuzele and Dek being out. Exactly. He was guarded by Njaya, a 19-year-old man. Kudos who, to this young 18-year-old kid. Yeah, who in game five stopped Zach Lede in the first quarter. And I was like yesterday before the game in the broadcast. I mean, probably he's going to start, but can he do the same great job against another, you know, Zach Lede probably top five power forward in Europe and in on the offense. And... Uh, and it's Nikola Miritich again, and 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 then Jaya just in eight minutes completely shuts Miritich down. He, he draws this so early pressure. Charge. Yeah, early he charge. Good defensive stops. He was physical. He Synergy. was making mid range shots in the other end. And I feel I, it felt like that. That was the moment that kind of a bit, you know, shook that gave the tone for the Mirotic, game. Uh, Miritich, you no know, confidence. Look, first shot is really important. If you see the ball go through the net in the, the first shot or the second shot, you are into the game. Mirotic did not get into the game until yeah. the freaking end. And can you imagine you're facing an 18-year-old kid on a starting lineup? I it mean, is, your, your match up and you're, 19, you, cannot, you, know, you cannot nail it. It's, it's, it should be so it hard. It gets to your head. And, For and, a player and who's in his, his sixth head. Final Four, who, who, I mean, where it's all about him performing, as you mentioned, the all doors were open for him to perform at the big stage uh, tonight against, you know, Real Madrid and his, against his former team. Wow. So it was, it was tough. But yeah, what was to and and Ellie, John, and probably that's, we, we should learn his name more, even more and more. He, for me, he's it. like Usman Garuba of, of his last season in, in Real Madrid. There's always, a, guy, from there's always a, a young guy in Real Madrid that's yeah. stepping up every yeah. time. It's incredible. What was weird to me though, talking about Mirotic and his performance, n no post-ups basically for him in the second half when he was guarded by Mario Hezonia. He got one maybe, and, you know, we all know, you put pressure on him, you put physicality on him, he kind of struggles a little bit. The refs, I think the refs are also allowing more contact against him. I don't know if he's not really selling those fouls quite well or what is it, but, or he's doing extra, so they're not calling them. But the refs allow a lot of contact against Mirotic and, and it makes it hard for him. And they were... Uh, I, I'm, I kind of missed the more post-ups for him in the second half when he was guarded by Mario Hezonia. But I think we have to go to talk about... Just, just one thing to add. You watch Miratic going 1 of 10. You watch Sartacheli choking as well. He was 0 from 4, I think. Worst, you have your worst game of the season two for him. best stretch bigs going 1 of 14 from the field against the team which has Eddie Tavares. And obviously, you're one of the main... 
uh, key things of your game plan is, you know, to punish them uh, with, you know, stretching the floor with pops. And you have Mike Toby on the bench. He didn't show up in that game. Just two weeks ago, he killed Dragos in the third quarter with like three three-pointers. I mean, I believe that Sharas will get a lot of blame for the semifinal loss. And to be honest, I think that he shouldn't be the main guy to be blamed off. I don't think that as a head coach with your star player going with, you know, one of 10, uh, with some other, you know, stuff with, without having Corey Higgins, your best scorer, best perimeter guy. They, mi key. they missed him in the fourth quarter so badly. They missed him in the second consecutive Final Four because last year he came off the injury after missing three, four months. So he wasn't himself in the Final Four. Uh, and we saw his importance in the first Final Four for Sharas when they beat Milan with this game winner. So I... I'm not blaming Sharas, but for me, it was interesting. I know that Mike Toby against Tavares, he might get in trouble, but still, when you have... Everybody was in trouble. Exactly. Sure, when yeah. you have, you know, your guys shooting badly, I mean, I think that you have to try Mike Toby, which he, he really likes Lithuania, and he, he killed the... He, he nailed he it in Lithuania and Slovenia. Exactly, exactly. Look, I agree with you. I... I guess nobody thought uh, that uh, the coaching staff of Real Madrid... We'll get the we'll have the advantage yesterday in terms of tactical decisions. I think yeah, Sharas players, you know, you cannot say let him down. Played bad, you know, Miritich, underperform, underperform. Yeah. The right didn't work. play uh, by their standard. Yeah, that's that's a correct. Yeah, that's a very polite diplomatic way. But yeah, that's, but, that's but true. I, but I think I think that Chus Mateo also, you know, got the upper hand. Uh, yesterday in the game and um, you know I don't think anybody expected that because that's his first final four as the head coach and we are always talking about how great Shodna uh, Sisikevichus is but to me yesterday uh, he got really he made really great decisions um, okay. first of all I I missed Barcelona pick and pop action to get Tavares out of the paint Shan Li, 16 minutes, only one three-pointer. And I think that wasn't a pick-and-pop situation. There was one time they played pick-and-pop action, but Laprovitlo did not pass him the ball, got under the basket and got blocked, I think, or made a turnover when Shan Li was open. So that was one situation. Jan Vesely, I, I watched the, the tape of uh, the games before they played, of, of last year's semifinal, of this year's, how they were trying to attack Tavares. You know, an empty corner pick-and-pop where nobody can help. The guard goes inside, pass back to Vesely, and Tavares is in the paint. That's an open mid-range shot. I did not see that yesterday. So I kind of lacked the solutions to bring Tavares out of the paint. And because Poirier is out, because Yabuzeli mm -hmm. is out, Tavares played even more. Mm -hmm. And that was not worse for Real Madrid. That was way more better because he can play that defense in the paint. Barca scored 10 times, 10 two-pointers mm -hmm. because he was there. So I like those, uh, and I thought it was a, what was a great decision as well by, from Chus Mateo was you put Anthony Randolph at the five because Tavares has to get some rest, and he puts the zone that worked two free zone that worked so well against the uh, Partizan in the in the in the mm -hmm. in the uh, in the series before, and I know Barca scored some frees off of that some open frees. But it also they they had some they also had some empty possessions as well against that zone and kind of you know uh, 
helped to, uh, let's say, how to say, save Randolph in defense, you know. Hide? Uh, hide, yeah. hide Randolph in, in defense a little bit. And uh, also switching defense. Barca really were playing a lot of switch defense yesterday. Anthony Randolph got some easy looks under the basket. Uh, Chacho Rodriguez nailed some uh, three-pointers. Sergio Yui got one. And, um, you know, just just Real had an answer for everything. And I think I, I don't think Barca had or executed their plan B. That's good. That's a good thing that you mentioned, uh, Chus Mateo, creativity, because we were... Uh, at least several times this season, we were pointing out at mistakes that we thought that he did with his game plan, with his matchups, with his decisions. So it's good that we we keep this balance, you know, when he somebody deserves credit, yeah. you try to you give try that to credit. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes when we see something is wrong or should be made in a different way, we, we try to point those things out. You know, so. it's not it's not that we're supporting one. Yeah, exactly. Some exactly. players or some teams. Some fans, uh, some, they think uh, that we have references, but... Not at all, not at all. Um, a couple of things to add before going to Dinosaur, Dinosaur's game. Uh, Barca in the second half was 3 of 17 from the two-point range and 5 from 25 from a three-point uh, f- uh, range. By the way, we spoke about Mirotic and how tough for him it was getting to his uh, rhythm, how he lost the confidence and how he, it affected his team. Tavares started the game with 10 points in the first quarter. That's how your best player should perform. We mentioned Papa Nicolau, the way he brought the confidence, the way Mike James was actually uh, helping his team in those difficult situations in game five, 21 point uh, performance in the first half. Um, Maccabi series game three, this uh, hostile atmosphere in Tel Aviv. Leaders has to show up, you know, to calm their teammates down and to set the tone for the game. That's what Tavares did. Another huge performance. His stat line, of course, was incredible. 20, 15, four blocks. NBA nine, numbers. That's nine, NBA numbers in the nine European draw fouls. Four offensive rebounds. Four, four blocks. One block was just even in media tribune. We could get the ball. Uh, the way how strong that block was. Um, but those blocks not, w- were not even the biggest highlight to me. I mean, they were all in the end when the game was basically decided. Yeah. And they were highlights, nice to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will make the top 10. But to me, it was his defense in the third quarter, uh, just like Mustafa Fall did in the first semifinal. He was just not letting Barca get uh, easy points mm-hmm. under the basket. And, and on the other side, he's picking rolls. You know, Barca were letting uh, Madrid's players, perimeter players to the weak hands to the mm. left. But at the same time, the big was backing down because there is a lap threat of Tavares. And one time they got it. I, I was surprised how Tavares actually managed to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. tap the ball there in, to, the, to the rim. But other times, because of his threat, rolling threat, you know, his gravity pulls back the big of Barca. And uh, Sergio Rodriguez or Sergio, uh, or Yui can just shoot those little floaters from two, three meters range because of the threat of Tavares. So open shots for them as well open up because of, because of the Tavares. And uh, we haven't really spoken about Real Madrid. I want to give shout out to Nigel Williams-Goss, who is playing a fantastic, who played a fantastic series. And I think he's got, having a great second half of the season. I mean, yeah. uh really like his confidence shooting yeah. the mid-range shots, shooting the freeze. 
mm, the way he's playing with such boys uh, in the second half of the season, I think he's been great. I think yeah. he's been super important for Real Madrid. Uh, and Mario Hazoni yesterday uh, killed the game with those threes. I know. Great confidence. I mean, the game, did the a game great was job, decided. but the, the guy who killed the game was the guy... I, again, I will never, never again, I will never, ever again will uh, <laughs> underestimate some you will, players. You will do that tomorrow. Oh, or oh, okay. old players, or players who are even over 33, because I, I really, sometimes I really push this narrative that, you know, at this age, at this stage of their career, they used to decline, and I'm always looking for some young, younger solutions. No more, no mass. I mean, eight, with eight minutes to play, you see the lineup, as you mentioned, with Tavares, Sonia, and then they put Rudy Fernandez, who is 38, Sergio Rodriguez, 36, and Sergio Yui, uh, 35. Guys, according to Bibolytics, the best lineup for Real Madrid in, in yesterday's game was this one. You would, I mean, you have Hezoni and Tavares because they played, and then you guess, okay, maybe Williams Goss in there. Maybe Janan no, Musa is there. Just no, it's the same Rudy Fernandez. Five Chacho, years, five years and later. Sergio Yui. Five five years later, Augusto Shlauskas will be working as a GM or as a scout for Euroleague or NBA club. <laughs> so he he will be replaced by somebody. Mike James will be on po on podcast just randomly. Re uh, a regular. <laughs> as a regular co-host. Eric McCollum, no, he will be on the NBA ESPN TV. But we will be talking about this. Three guys deciding another Final Four in, in <laughs> Dubai, let's say. that That's what's going to happen. I mean, oh my God. eight minutes to play, you see these guys and you're like, and the, the game was tied. It was Can they do it again? 58. So in the sequence of two, three minutes, we have Sergio Rodriguez stealing the ball, drawing on sportsman-like foul, uh, hitting floater, another kind of floater, three-pointer. You have nine points and basically two, three minutes he increases the lead by 7, 67, 60, and the game is basically decided. Oh, and it, it this run also included assist to Tavares uh, that led to his dunk. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just crazy what Sergio Rodriguez did starting from the game five against Partizan. And this, this whole team, I mean, again, when they were pushed the ropes, they showed such a huge character to miss... I even forgot about Poirier. You don't have Poirier, Yabusele, Deck, Corneli. You're down by 0-2 in the playoffs. Uh, you have this huge fight. Again, all world is against you. You have no support except from Madrid fans. You're again against they were Barca. Quite, quite loud, they actually. Were, they were down by nine. I mean, they were in a difficult situation. And to recover, to bounce back, to win that game, and now to have a legit chance to win the EuroLeague, wow, it's it's huge. It's huge. I mean, we wrote Madrid off last year. Way too many times. Before the quarterfinals, they won. They got written off before the Final Four. What happens, you know? Uh, they were written off before the quarterfinal, at least by me. You know, I had partisan in yeah, four. Me too, me too. And, you know, there is this, a little bit of asterisk because we all know what happened and they were they were desperate down 0-2, but what happened, happened. Now they are in the final four against Barcelona. Everybody writes them off because they don't have three front court players who account for, I don't know, maybe 30 points on average. 
together. And they win against Barcelona, the second best defense in the league, the sixth best offense, I think. And uh, they do it quite comfortably. So probably tomorrow they're going to be written off again yeah. before the final. Uh, I'm not predicting anything, but it's incredible to me what this Madrid roster has been able to accomplish and with a new coach as well. I mean, I know, I know he was on the bench for such a long time, but uh, you know, it's still a new coach. Still mm -hmm. a new mind making in in time game decisions. Even though I, I, I what I love about Madrid and just Mateo's coaching staff, they're all together. There are every time two assistants, um, you know, talking mm -hmm. to him constantly every time, and just they're making those decisions. I think collectively, and it shows strength and unity, and that they're you know, uh, you know, mm -hmm. if you can say a family teamwork, and yeah. teamwork, and and it's. Um, a really nice nice to see that they're succeeding with this so there's there was funny story by the way in this part probably we were missing some english words there and uh, here and there but that it, should be that, that's because very lack easily. of sleep is uh, yeah, we started the pod kicking. at 11 o'clock at saturday morning uh, most of us went to sleep at three half past three in the morning because of the work we had to do that final four festivities, you know, in, in, in the city center, a lot of basketball people are out there. So you have to embrace that, uh, festival. Uh, so it's tough. It's tough, but there's one funny story I have about Kyle Hines, uh, about Real Madrid. Uh, I did this basket news playoff brackets. We had three players, Mike Batiste, Leo Westerman, and Kyle Hines predicting their playoff winners and also final four winners. But so, this is before the quarterfinals. Yeah. It was even before oh. the quarterfinals. So, Kyle Hans was the only guy who was correct with all four teams. And before the uh, EuroLeague Final Four, I made this uh, survey of players who didn't make the, play uh, the, the Final Four and their Final Four predictions. And I was like, I have Kyle for Milan. I actually uh, involved Luigi De Toma as well, but I, tr I wanted uh -huh. to involve Kyle just because he was so correct with his playoff bracket that I, I, I wanted to give him some credit, you know? So, and but before this, I mean, he, when he made this playoff bracket, he not only was correct with the four teams, he said that Madrid will face Olympiacos in the final and Madrid will win it all. But again, after the playoffs, we have Yabusela suspended for the season. We have these injuries. And I was like, okay, I should ask Kyle if he sticks to his uh, prediction. <laughs> and I was like, Kyle, I mean, you're great. It's awesome. You were the only one to, to be uh, correct with these uh, predictions. But would you like to change? I give you an opportunity to change it because <laughs> of the you know reasons. That was your Big mistake. reasons. And Kyle, Kyle, Kyle was like, nah, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I stick with this decision. I was like, okay. So shout out to Kyle. Friday night, we see... <laughs> Uh, Olympiacos making the final, then Madrid beating Barcelona. And I was about to go to the apartment that we have here in Konas. It was close to 12 o'clock at uh, midnight. You heard the and I was like, notification man, I have, to, I have to text Kyle. Oh. And just like a few minutes later, I get winking emoji from Kyle <laughs> Heinz on Instagram. Man, what a classy man <laughs> this Sir, Sir Kyle oh. Heinz is. He he knows things. He knows he things. Know, he knows something. Four-time Euroleague champ, right? He yeah. know he knows Those something about winning. They know something about basketball. They know something. Yeah. <laughs>
we should get him on the pod. You know, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> to make the predictions and not us just uh, predicting stuff that goes completely the opposite way. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong about making bad predictions. Will we would really like to have you back on the podcast because you were so you know fluent, oh, oh. so creative, so bold about things. So. It's nothing bad. It's it's part of our job. We do more bad predictions than right predictions. So, I mean, you can't get them one hundred percent right. So, mm. uh, uh, until uh, you know, at least if you are giving the predictions with your arguments, and you know, you you really think and you have great arguments and you articulate them well, then there is nothing nothing wrong with that. Being being wrong is you know you can be right one hundred percent of the time. As the same as goes for winning, you can't win all the time. If all the games would be correct. It would be boring. It would be, yeah, exactly. Uh, then we would probably not watch basketball as much as we we like to do. Very short glimpse at the final game because maybe let's do it tomorrow on the I mean, live pod. Mm, no, another big question. Shout us out, man. If you're Juan Carlos Navarro or anybody in Barcelona front office who are making decisions. Do you part ways with Shadas after the season? So uh, about the final tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, should we go there? Let's 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 that's, wait. That's let, the biggest let, question. That probably that's the biggest agenda right now on Barcelona or even European uh, fans list because I already saw some um, pictures with Shadas uh, failing in four final four appearances as the head coach. Four with Jalgiris, but I'm not counting this one oh. because it's Jalgiris failing in the final four yeah, is yeah. not a correct sentence you would yeah, write. Yeah, yeah. And Jalgiris in the final four is a win already. Uh, look, definitely it looks bad losing against Real Madrid without Yabuzela Deck and Poirier. You you can't spin it any other way. You know, Nikola Nikola Mirotic plays plays bad. Your team does not execute. Your team is nervous. Whatever way you put it, it looks bad. There's there's no arguing in that. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case after the season because you know Barca's Barca's. Uh, it, it makes sense from office. emotional side, I would say. As you mentioned, you lose twelve classicos in a row in the final four. Yeah. Where you were supposed to win last year because Madrid was also pretty down, and this year no, I mean, obvious last year you well. could you could argue, but but this semifinal obviously is one game, as we have said millions mm. of times, but. With this depleted Madrid's roster, I, I you know I wouldn't be surprised if if Barca's front office front office feels you know desperate to make a change because yeah. if he, if 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 Charles can't win with this team against uh, a team without Yabuzela Deck and Poirier in the front and Cornelier in the front front court, then you know I I could see that happening. Obviously, I think they will uh, wait until the end of the season and and see what happens in the ACB League finals. If they win those, maybe they change their mind. But uh, I think this one really will stick to front office, and and probably they will they will have to make a decision. Uh, to be honest, I really think that the bigger problem is not the coaching. As, uh, once again, I will repeat myself that what can you do else for Nikola Mirotic? You know what looks you have to create for him to to hit more than one of ten. Uh, it's more have, it's more about the emotional. Yeah, you, know, you don't have feeling. your main facilitator on the backcourt uh, as Corey Higgins is, and I think that in some positions they were loaded too much. I mean, with Toby, Shanley, Vesely, Mirotic, there for me they were just too big. And for instance. 
yeah, Toby can stretch the floor, but he's not playing in a game where you really need to stretch the floor and kill them at the pick and pop situations and your other two bigs are failing badly. Then there were some some other positions. They, I mean, they just spent a lot of money. It, they had depth, but I would say they lacked elite, elite class talent in some of these positions. Uh, and I agree. I, but it's but at crazy. the same time... It's crazy how one game changes everything. Yeah. It changes the narrative. It's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous, to be honest. Yeah. But at the same time, I would understand if the front office wants to... some start a new page to refresh because it's not easy to anybody to be together for three years either if you're a head coach and the player either you're a couple three year is a turning point of your of your situation uh so if there is a good replacement on the market naturally you can go for a fresh start i think that objectively speaking i think that Shadas did a good job and three consecutive final four appearances is a big thing as you mentioned a lot of things can happen in single game. But yeah, you, uh, you still expect to win at least one, though. That's true. And you invest a lot of money to to win it. I just think that you should invest differently in a personal, in your roster, not in, in the coaching staff. Mm. I think that that's where I see more problems, not on the coaching staff. But again, uh, what's interesting that there are a lot of wild rumors about the market that includes head coaches, that includes even coach Jesikavichus, includes some other coaches who could be interesting for Barca, that also includes some big-time players that could switch teams, including the, some of these Final Four teams. Of course... You, you're talking right now players or coaches only? Everyone, man. Everyone. Market can get really wild from what I hear. I just don't want to speculate because I've just ah. got these rumors... This morning, it needs a lot of confirmations okay. because they sound really crazy. Can't wait to finish the spot so I can hear those. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it, the whole picture can change dramatically. So, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Let's, let's enjoy the final four. Let's keep the drama and our predictions for tomorrow's live or bonus podcast from Basket News. Friends Zone. If you are here in Colnes, really visit that friend zone, uh, which is basically Olympia across Cost the street of the Jardim Arena in Madrid. Yeah, what's what's very nice that we saw so many different friends, not from the Final Four participants. Uh, guy from uh, actually mental coach from Italy from approached Italy. us. Uh, there were even Olympiacos fans coming from Belgium, for instance. Turkish fans coming with nice gifts. We 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 would appreciate even more gifts if you have. We, we <laughs> would, I would get this Hugo Plastica jersey on our studio. I saw there's one guy with uh, Hugo Plastica Tony Cooper's jersey. jersey. Yeah, yeah, looks brilliant. So so yeah, uh, visit our fan zone. You can watch games there. We have food trucks. There are drinks. A lot of games. You can win some prizes. So, yeah, just enjoy this amazing celebration in Kaunas. You could really feel all day long from, from early morning to late night that it's a huge basketball celebration here in Kaunas. It's, it's great to have this event so close to our home. And let's, you know, see tomorrow for the final predictions. We yeah. will talk about Olympia yeah. costs and Real Before, you, you can make your own predictions so that we will be able to read your predictions and to think what's right, what's wrong. Yeah, if if you write right now in the comments what you think about tomorrow's finals, uh, we will probably include some of those uh, in the in the live chat that we will have. Okay. Uh, you know, and maybe speculate on on your maybe tactics or what could work, yeah. uh, what could not work. 
what yeah. are the most mo- most important points so yeah until tomorrow i think yeah thank you uh, thank you all and follow basketnews.com for for this final four event